Hey everyone, and welcome back to episode two of the Air Power Hour. I'm the host, Tech Sergeant Chekovich. In this episode, we have Technical Sergeant April Hall. She is the 347th Recruiting Squadron Public Affairs NCO. Sergeant Hall and I had a great time talking about her Air Force story. She talked about how she came from humble beginnings in Michigan and how it took her three and a half years in college to realize that it wasn't the path she wanted to take. Sergeant Hall also talked about her time with the Defense POW MIA Accounting Agency, or DPAA. She explained that over 10 missions with the DPAA, how important it is to know about this operation. Thank you for listening to Episode 2. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Tech Sergeant Hall. To all units, proceed to your post assignment. To all units, proceed to your post assignment. Welcome to the Air Power Hour. Welcome back to the Air Power Hour. I am the host, Tech Sergeant Lee Chekovich, and I'm very excited to have my my second guest on here for the second episode. I know this person pretty well, and she has played a... Let me start it with this. Sergeant Hall is my guest, and when I say she's played a pivotal role in making the Air Power Hour actually happen... That would be a massive understatement. So, Sergeant Hall, you have, I wanted to start this podcast off by saying thank you uh, because I don't believe that you've got enough credit. I am strictly the talent, is what people like to say, but you have done so much behind the scenes work. I came into recruiting uh, or I came back into recruiting and I had this idea of, of starting a podcast. And that was two years ago, and it took this long, and it really it took you coming here to to make it happen. So I can't thank you enough. This wouldn't have happened without you. But ladies and gentlemen, I have with me Tech Sergeant April Hall. Sergeant Hall, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. And you know, I think for one, I you're giving me way too much credit. No. 100%. I was scared when you said you wanted to do a podcast. Yeah. It's a lot of work. It is. So so me coming into a new position and thinking about like, okay, so on top of all this other stuff I'm I'm trying to learn, you want to do a podcast? I know. Like, but I, but you know what? I think it's gonna be great. I, it's gonna be great. Yeah, and I think that what we've created together, the air power hour, has been I mean, the podcast art was done by you. Things that I can't do, you have done and you've done phenomenally and and i've had this vision of of what i wanted and you've kind of put that vision together so it's been really really cool uh, i've had a great time and again i thank you this has been a a goal of mine for a long time kind of like my my magnum opus if you will you know of creating a podcast to tell the stories of airmen and guardians and and you helped me with that so thank you i think for one it's really cool that you have that story not being from a public affairs background so like yeah let's start with that right that's my job in the air force public affairs um so my job in the air force is to tell airmen and guardian stories yeah i never would have thought like let's do it in a podcast form i love podcasts i listen to podcasts all the time wouldn't have thought to do it because i'm thinking in my head like this is way too much work you know yeah um we got to do quick you know deadlines is a huge thing right yes in the journalism world 
let's do a story. And by the way, I need it in two hours. So that's, you know, that's something like this is like so cool to be able to do because you can do it on your own timeline and Mm -hmm. you can talk to the people you want and you can edit it the way you want and you can spend time on it. So you are going to get so much more detail and depth to to people that we're used to seeing. Um, Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah, we can deep dive into their stories and, and we can find out everybody in the Air Force has an interesting story, I think, if you ask the right questions. And that's what the intent of this podcast is, try to find those questions. So I could not have done that without your help and your expertise in your realm of the PA world. So what I want to do now is I know that you have some, you have an amazing story yourself. So that's why we have you on the podcast. You're the behind the scenes person. You don't get any of the glory, but you deserve it. And that's why you are the second episode, because I want to hear your story. You have an awesome story. You've done really cool things in the Air Force in your time. And you've mentioned that your job is PA. So can you tell me a little bit more about your job as PA or public affairs? Yeah. So when I originally went to the recruiter, right, to join the Air Force, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I never researched any sort of jobs. No idea. I I knew that I wanted to get away from the life I had and and not in a negative way, Mm -hmm. um, just in a sense that I wanted to do something more meaningful than I was doing. Yeah. Um, and I never even thought about like, what does that look like? I know it, I know it involves wearing a uniform and moving away from where I live and meeting new people, but I don't, don't know what the day to day looks like. Right. Sure. So I had no idea what I wanted to do. The recruiter shows me this list, you know, like you're here. And I immediately was like, what's this job? Public affairs. That sounds kind of fun. Um, no description or anything. I just kind of asked him what it was. And he was like, oh, you know, they, they work with the community they you know very very vague yeah. description um they talk to people that's what he said <laughs> and i remember thinking well i like to talk to people i worked in customer service based jobs my entire life i loved meeting new people talking to new people so i was like well i'm gonna do that you know that sounds fun that's yeah. all i knew about it you got to talk to people and work with the community okay cool i like to talk let's do it and then once I started doing more research into it, it's like, hey, oh, it's like kind of like journalism, right? You could write articles, you can make videos, you can take photos. Bottom line, you get to tell the Air Force story. Yes. And I was like, yeah, I want to do that. Heck um, yeah. And so that's that's what I went for. It's it's a hard job to get. And he t- was very straightforward with me from the beginning. Like, hey, that doesn't come around very often. Obviously, mm-hmm. if you think about it in the grand scheme of things, you don't need a huge population of people to tell the air force story right um it's a fairly small air force and you have a small career field small career field very small career field so i you know i didn't have high hopes to get it but luckily the the stars aligned a few things had to happen for me to get that job that happened and so i always said you know it was meant to be but yeah i guess the short story of what somebody in the public affairs career field does is to tell the air force or space force story and did you have to do anything extra to get qualified for that job to do public affairs? Was there any extra like criteria that you had to meet to get that job? So not at the time that I joined. Um, I joined in 2012. The The career field was split into three different kind of categories, right? Hmm. So there was public affairs, this umbrella, 
And then you could go as a public affairs specialist, which was you're going to be doing the community relations stuff. You're going to be writing articles, doing press releases, doing more of that community engagement. There was photographer, which is exactly what it sounds like. You're yeah. going to be taking pictures. And then there was a broadcaster. Okay. So I believe at the time you you know had to be able to pass the the oral test to be a broadcaster. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't have accents, which if I mean I do, right? I have that like Midwest. Midwest. Yeah, yeah, the hard A. Um so I don't know if I would have done well. But now the career field all those like three categories have merged into one. So you do have to be pretty well versed in all three of those topics, right? I had to learn those as we merged. So yeah. I was lucky, right? I get to like kind of learn it on the job. Now, I, I think if you wanted to go the public affairs route, you would have to work on getting rid of your accent a little bit, maybe. And I don't want to get rid of my accent, you know? Yeah. I, that, that's where I represent my Midwest roots. You know? know. Well, you, you and I have the same one, so. Yeah, uh, saying beer, roof, yeah. roof. Did you say roof? I did. I used to until people made fun of me. You know, that's the wonderful part about being in the Air Force is that you get to 100%. Come together and be with people. You become part of a team from people all over the country, mm-hmm. different accents. And they, they, I mean, I got ripped pretty hard for saying roof because yeah. people thought I was barking. And then there was one time I was at, I was, it was right after basic training. And I grew up my whole life in Wisconsin. We always had a name for ATM machines. It's an interesting name. Oh my gosh. We were in basic training. I had just graduated. I was with all of my flight mates and we were at the commissary or the BX. We were at the BX and I asked all of them because I wanted to get some cash. I said, hey, everyone, do you happen to know where the time machine is? Because I need to get some money out. And they all looked at me like, what are you talking about? Time machine. Time machine. But up in Wisconsin... We had an ATM machine and the brand was T-Y-M-E. So we were always, we grew up always saying, hey, I got to stop at the time machine and grab some money. That sounds so cool. They looked at me like I was from another planet. Like, what are you trying to do? Trying to go back (laughs) in time? Like he's just basic training tired. Yeah. Oh, super tired. Yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah. Time machine. That's kind of cool. I've never heard that. Time machine. The time machine. I'm going to start calling it that. Same boat though, right? Like we all say funny things. Like you're saying different regions, right? Yeah. I The first time I said, I'm going to say it the way I said it then, I sensed like tailored my my heart A a little bit. The first time I said crock pot, like in the office setting, everyone just stared at me like I was crazy, you know? Yeah. And I was like, do you guys not know what a, what a crock pot is? Crock pot? Yeah. Crock pot. But because of that hard A, I think I said like, crack pot crack pot and i maybe they thought i was saying something else yeah um but yeah that is a fun that is fun to learn people's different regions dialects, dialects and things. Yeah. yeah the time machine though that's wild i've never yeah heard it's, it's weird it is kind of weird so sergeant hall what does a day in the life of a member of the pa or public affairs look like i'll tell you what i i might be a little biased but I truly think that the public affairs career field is one of the best jobs in the military, not just the Air Force, um, because I have friends who are marine photographers, mm-hmm. army photographers, you know, other branches. And the day in the life of someone in public affairs doesn't look the same. 
it's different every day. If I wake up and say, I really feel like flying today, I'm going to go do a story on a helicopter pilot, you know, and go take my pictures and video and, and spend my day with them. So the amazing thing about public affairs in the beginning of my career, for like now, you know, now it's you advance and you do other things. But in the beginning, I got to literally every day go learn about a different job, get to see what every airman in the Air Force does down from like, I don't even know if you know that this job exists. There's pest control. Do yeah. you know this? Yeah. And, and like you can go dr- drive around on a on a golf cart all day and like hunt rodents. Gophers, shoot go- gophers. Yeah. yeah. So like people don't realize that how many jobs we have in the Air Force and being able to like see that instead of just your recruiter showing you this list of jobs. Like these are your 10 jobs to choose from. No, there's like 150 or 200 jobs yeah, or whatever it jobs. is. That's and so getting to to go every day and just being like, what can I what can I see today? Yeah, showcasing 100% different career fields. And if I wanted to, you know, fly, okay, that's cool. That's probably like in the beginning I wanted to fly a lot. Of course. Right? Yeah, naturally. So like, oh, put me on a B52. I was at Minot in North Dakota. We had B52s and helicopters. And so that was always like Everybody wants to do that, right? Yeah. But I kind of, I kind of got into finding those little jobs that people don't know about, and and everyone's happy to let me come. They're like, oh, nobody ever wants to showcase us, you know. We hunt gophers all day, but yeah. um, those are the cool stories that you would find because, every, like, you know, they're so excited to show what they do. Dirt boys, dirt oh, yeah. boys were always like, yeah, come take pictures of it, you know. I take pictures of me operating a crane or whatever they're doing you know yeah, so, the heavy equipment operators uh, yeah um so yeah that was just like really fun for me for like the first two years of my career that's all i did every single day looked different i would i wanted to be a mechanic today so i'd you know go hang out with the mechanics or i wanted to fly or i wanted to go watch metal fabrication yeah. or you know so it was it was a really cool way to insert myself into the air force for sure for sure absolutely so, Sergeant Hall, when did you decide that the Air Force was your choice for the future? I'll, I'll be honest. It, it took a it took a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I will never forget. I had an Air Force recruiter come to my high school. I grew up in Tecumseh, Michigan, okay. which is a little a little little southwest of Ann Arbor, not far from Ann yeah. Arbor. Great place to, to grow up. Beautiful little little city. A little like Pleasantville. Have you ever seen that? Yes. Very like, I don't want to say cookie cutter, but it's very conservative, nice. Everyone knows everyone, you know, Mm -hmm. really, really great place to grow up. But, you know, I was very forced into going to college after. Yes. There's a expectation, right? And in places like that and places like that are everywhere. Mm hmm. I'm sure as a recruiter, you talk to kids all the time. Yep, And I also grew up in one, so I definitely understand where you're coming from. Yeah. So I remember the Air Force recruiter coming in and we didn't see Air Force recruiters a lot. You know, we saw Army and Marines and I was like, no, not interested. But uh, the Air Force guy just like kind of stuck with me. I'm not sure why. And I took the brochure home and I said, Mom, I'm kind of like thinking about this. And she was like, nope, you're (laughs) going to college. You know, so um, I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, that's the expectation. So I did. I went to college um, for three and a half years. Wow. Yeah, I was close to graduating. Close, really close. And I was going to be a teacher. I wanted to go teach English. And very, very quickly, 
once I started like with my major classes, right, like mm-hmm. education classes, I was like, I don't think this is what I want to do. So I I told my mom I'm going to take a semester off, and she was like, Yeah, right. You're going to take the rest of your life off because yeah. I know how this works. You know, you're going to take a break and then you'll never go back. And she was right. Um, well, well, we'll get to that later, but. I did. I, I stopped going to school and I just started working full time. I was working like three jobs. I was just working my butt off, you know? Yeah. And I was making good money. I was enjoying enjoying what I was doing. I was bartending. I was serving. I was working, you know, at City Hall, doing doing a whole bunch of an array of jobs, if you will. So I got a little bit of, you know, like different opportunities and stuff doing that. And I just, I was probably, gosh, I was 24. So I was doing it for a while, you know, a yeah. few years. 24 years old and I remember just having like a particularly rough night at the bar. Mm-hmm. Um, bartending is fun, but it can, it's hard work sometimes too, you know? And I just remember thinking to myself, like, I don't, I, I can't do this for the rest of my life. Yeah. I, you know, I just, I don't want, I don't want to do this the rest of my life. And immediately I thought, I don't know why, but I thought back to that Air Force brochure. And I Heck remember- yeah. Yeah, right? It was like this movie moment, like this montage moment. And I'm like, I remember the pictures. Those people were in cool places. They looked so happy. All these things, you know, which is really funny because like, yeah, that's the point of a brochure, April. Like they're supposed to look happy and fun. Yeah, of course. Um, But I just remember thinking, you know, I think this is something I need to look into. And I, I left work and I drove to the recruiter's office. Wow. And I walked in there and I and the guy was like, you know, oh, hey. And I was like, hey, listen, you don't have to talk me into it. Just sign me up. Nice. It, so it was a pretty rash decision at the time when I think about it. Uh, he was like, okay, you know. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, perfect. But I, w- I was just like so stuck in this routine and this like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reference Pleasantville again, right? Yeah. Like, just so stuck in this that I was like, I, I need a drastic change and I need it now. And um. Yeah, I it's so it's a kind of a weird like it wasn't something that I was like thinking about and researching and it just was like that one moment stuck with me like years down the road and I knew I didn't need to hear a recruiting spiel or like do the research because I kn- knew that it would teach me a new skill for one no yes. matter what that was I didn't even think as I said before what that skill would be it would get me out of where I was at physically you know location wise I would get to meet all these new people and it's not the rest of my life. It's a, it's a, it's a segment of time. So if I didn't like it, cool, I'd move on in four years or whatever yeah. it was, you know? And so I just did it. So I was a little older, 24, like 24. Yeah. So there's yeah, nothing yeah. wrong with that. Yeah. You know, I, I, I believe that it takes some time to figure out what you really want to do. And, you know, going to college at 18, I, I did the same thing. I, I fell under that whole, you know, the umbrella of got to graduate high school, got to go straight to college. That's just the way things go. That's how we operate. And I did. I followed suit. I did what all my friends were doing and I went to college and I had zero direction. I had no idea. I switched my majors three times. There you go. Uh, and so I pulled out way earlier than, than you did mm-hmm. from college. And I, it was after my first year and I decided to make that change. But I truly believe that I didn't really know what I wanted to do until I was around 24 years old. Yeah. And, and that was four years after I had joined. So that's why I decided to reenlist. I was like, okay, this is what I want to do. So I think you're spot on with, you know, 
24 years old, there's nothing wrong with deciding what you want to do at 24 years old. Yeah, not at all. And, you know, I I go to go to schools now and or like you know talk mm-hmm. to talk to 18 year olds who know what they want to do and i am like i have nieces and nephews who, who are the same way you know my niece she's just driven she does well in school, you know all these things and i'm like gosh i wish i would I have know. known at 18 you know it took me a little longer it takes it takes people all different times right but at the end of the day i truly believe that like i'm where i'm supposed to be so. yeah for sure. So you are in Oak Creek. You are our PA representative here at the 347th Recruiting Squadron. But I know that you've had some very, very cool assignments in your career. Uh, I have. You've lucked out. I've lucked out. Well, yes. Yes, I've lucked out. You know, the really cool part about public affairs is that you can go to any, anywhere, right? You're, you're always going to need to document what airmen are doing. So you can go to the big bases, sure, the ones that there's thousands and thousands of people at, but at the same time, you could go to a tiny little remote base. Maybe there's only 200 people there. You still have to have public fairs there, right, to document what those airmen are doing. And so it is one of those jobs where you can go anywhere, anywhere in the world. And where were you before this assignment here in Wisconsin? So before I got here, I was stationed in joint at Joint Base Pearl Harbor Hickam, Hawaii. 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 Oh man. What a change. Wow. Yeah. And you know, I I before that I was in North Dakota. So oh, I so went, you went from North Dakota to Hawaii. You went cold, hot, and then back to the cold. Yeah. But I grew up in Michigan, like Yeah, I said, so you understand. So I liked it. But what a nice break to be able to go to Hawaii. How long were you there? I was there four years. Four years. Four years. Is that right? Yeah, four years. And um I loved every second of Hawaii. I bet. Here's the thing, though. I was stationed at Hawaii, but I wasn't in Hawaii a whole lot. Really? I was I was traveling. Usually, I'd say six, six to eight months out of the year. So, for those wow. four years. I mean, COVID kind of put a, put a halt to that for a little while. But, um, yeah, I was my first two years in Hawaii. I think I was maybe there, maybe there like four months. And what were you doing when you were traveling? Okay, so my assignment in Hawaii was a very, it's a very unique job. Um, and it's, it's a job that any branch can come work at. Um, so it was a joint agency. Mm-hmm. I worked with, I worked alongside sailors, Marines, soldiers, and it is called the Defense POW MIA Accounting Agency, okay. DPAA for short. DPAA. DPAA. I know we love our acronyms, right? Yes. Um, and so what DPAA does is they are tasked with researching and recovering service members who were killed or missing in action from past wars. Wow. So what that looks like is a team of people going to the areas where these conflicts happened all over the world and recovering the remains of our service members who, who died there and returning them home to, to give them to their family, give them back to their family repatriate them, give them the burial they never got but deserved. That's amazing. Wow. Talk about that. That's an unbelievable job. How did you get that opportunity? So I'll be honest. When I first got into the Air Force, I had a supervisor who I love. Charlene, love you. Um, Shout out to her. Uh, You know, you get these these mentors in the Air Force. She was one for me really early on. And um, Charlene Spade. And uh, I, 
I got really into, obviously, we have to, in public affairs, tell the, the Air Force story, right? Mm-hmm. We have to do the things that are newsworthy. Hey, this new equipment's coming out or this airman won this award or, you know, the, the stories that we're required to do. We also have time to do stories that we want to do, right? So I took a personal liking to um, meeting veterans. Yeah. I got really into researching who my local veterans were in the community of Minot, the World War II, Vietnam, whatever whatever conflict it was. I got really into going, meeting with them, interviewing them, doing stories on them. Their conversations, their experiences are so different from ours now. Yes. Um, I just took a, a like a personal liking to that that kind of story. So my mentor, Charlene Spade, she was like, you know, there's this agency in the DOD, in the Department of Defense, that allows you to go search for for veterans who are missing. And I was like, well, that's interesting, you know. And so I started doing some research on it. Turns out the job. There are only a few jobs in the military that you can, that can actually go be stationed and work for that agency. Yeah. They need very specialized skills, right? My job was one of them. So I was like, oh, so this could actually happen, right? And sure enough, you know, I, I would see the job pop up. We have obviously a, um, a system. I'm trying to describe it in a way that's like easy for everyone to understand. Almost like a job listing system, yeah. right? It's um, the assignment manager management system. Is that what AMS? AMS, yep. AMS, assignment management system. And it would pop up on there and I would volunteer for it every time. Yeah. Every six months I would see it pop up on there and I'd volunteer and I would never get it for three years, I, three or four years probably I did that. I would just like click the button and pray, you know what yeah. I mean? And um, I knew, I was like, I have to get to that assignment listen, maybe it's not going to happen now. Maybe it's not going to happen in 10 years, but I will get to that assignment before. That you is know. the end game. That's the end game. And um, so I applied one one time, one like four years into this, right? And I got a call that said, hey, you got this job in Hawaii. You know, and I was like, oh my gosh, you're kidding me. Yep, don't, don't worry. Like your orders are going to come soon. Six months later, I still didn't have orders. Ooh. And I'm like Nervous. getting some sweating, you know, and I'm like in North Dakota, the winter's coming, yeah. you know, and I'm like, oh here. my gosh. And so, you know, my supervisor at the time, she said, listen, this something happened. Like if you don't have orders yet, it's not, it's not a thing. Oh. Um, here's the cool part she, that my supervisor at the time knew somebody who worked there. And here's the great part about DPAA, just because you can't go get assigned there doesn't mean you can't go on a mission with them because 70% of the people they take on these missions are volunteers. Oh, nice. So they get people from all the branches who, hey, will your command let you go on a two-month trip? And their command says, yeah, this is an amazing opportunity to take these people. And so she knew someone who worked there. And he said, listen, even though her orders didn't come and she's not coming here, we'll get her a trip. So I went to Laos as a volunteer. That wow. was my first time there, right? Hey, you're going to go to Laos. You're going to be camp. And I'm like, where is that? <laughs> Never heard of it, <laughs> you know? And so that was kind of like my consolation prize. Long story short, when I showed up to do the training for the trip, they're like, oh, so this is going to be your debt? And I'm like, what are you guys talking about? They're like, you know you're coming here, right? Like permanently. So something had just happened. like wow. my order. And so as I was on the trip, I that's got orders. I got oh, that's so cool. So it was kind of cool because I got like a little like sneak peek of it before I actually yeah. went there. 
I did feel bad that I took that opportunity from somebody else because, like, you know, we could have given it to somebody else. Oh, sure, the volunteer opportunity. Right. But um, that first experience in Laos, I I just remember thinking, like, every single day, no matter how hard the work is, because, listen, it's not easy work. You know, you're getting up, you're digging in jungle-like heat for eight hours. And I mean, you know, putting shovel in a ground and and screening through dirt and it's backbreaking work. But I just remember thinking every single day on that first trip, like, I am so lucky to be able to do this for the next four years. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was a super long-winded, like, answer to your question. No, that was amazing. So, you kind of explained about what you did when you went over to Laos. What what were these trips like? And you said they were, how long were they at a time? Like, was it two months, four months? And, and what were you doing for that entire time? Yeah, so most of the missions there are about 45 to 60 days at a time. Okay. Um, and s- some of these locations are in the middle of nowhere, on top of mountains, in the middle of jungles. Obviously, when a, when a plane goes down or when something like that happens, you can't really choose where it happens, right? Yeah. So yeah, that that first trip to Laos for me, we were it was in a very remote location um in Laos now. You know, there are parts of Laos that are I would say second first world, um definitely not where we were on yeah. uh, that first trip. Again, growing up in Pleasantville, I'm just going to keep calling it that. I never traveled to other world country before. Yeah. So seeing that, I mean, but the the crazy part is driving on the truck we're on this back of this truck driving to the site you know for the first time and i'm just like in awe of like the you know this this is like a this is just a new a different world you know um it it was just so it was it's amazing i don't know you know you you're you're putting these i'm like thinking my head on this on this drive and there's mountains and banana trees everywhere and like people like running like excited to see us i'm thinking in my head like my job's brought me here you know what I mean? you're getting paid i'm getting this. paid to like experience these things so yeah day day in the life of of again uh, for for dpa member it's different every day but i mean yeah. one thing that you know you're gonna do is get up put shovels in the ground uh dig screen the dirt you know look for those remains look for that evidence for me as a my job there technically was a forensic photographer mm-hmm. so I worked for the anthropologist who was on site and would document all the evidence for him or her, um, whether that was just evidence of our digging patterns, what the site looked like, the soil looked like, any uh, any evidence we found in the ground, any remains we found, all that stuff I would um, essentially do, you know, like forensic photography for, almost like a, a crime scene photography. Um, we'd have to document everything very thoroughly and everything like that. I also did fun photos and videos and cool cool projects like that, multimedia projects. When I was out there, pictures of the team, document the whole process. But when I wasn't doing that, it's a very small part of what I did, you know. When I wasn't doing that, I was digging. I was screening. I was doing all this stuff that the rest of the team was doing. You know, there are a few specialized jobs on those teams, right? So like the anthropologist, we have a life support investigator who, that's a career field uh, in the Air Force. Um, Gosh, I'm trying to think of what the actual job is. Um, it's AFE, air, fr- air, air Crew Flight Equipment. Yep. So that job is stationed there at DPA, and they're experts on the equipment. Any equipment mm-hmm. we find, all, all that evidence. Yeah. Um, uh, explosive ordnance disposal technician, 
there obviously in a lot of those locations unexploded ordinance right and we have to have those people out there to make sure that we're safe for um, sure medics so yeah there's a lot of different specialized jobs that we had to have on site that had like extra duties but when we weren't doing those extra duties we were we were digging did you ever find any remains while you were there yeah oh yeah that first trip to laos we were excavating a a cargo plane crash wow that got shot down um we were looking for three individuals we found a, a lot of evidence i mean obviously it's a a plane went down there, right? Yeah. Like, you know, you're finding all kinds of aircraft wreckage and personal effects, right? Things that they were wearing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, once you start getting like, oh, this is clothing, you know, and it's confirmed clothing because the life support investigator is like, this is something that this person would be wearing. You start getting excited, you know, like we're, we're close. We're close. close. Um, and then, yeah, you, you, you're working long hard like just exhausting backbreaking hours and then you see you know remains and it's like okay well it was all worth it, it. was all worth it this was like why I'm, why i'm here and like this family who's invested in what happened to their dads you know 50 years ago yes like they're gonna get answers you finally have closure exactly and you provided that yeah. how fulfilling of a feeling is that oh my gosh that's got to be phenomenal yeah absolutely so and the great part about being the the photographer right um or the the person who's able to like tell that story or like document that process is that first mission we found remains now we take the remains back we don't we don't obviously automatically say these are those people they have to go through testing they have to go through dna analysis um and dpa has the largest forensic anthropology lab in the world and they have insanely talented scientists and wow. all these people who verify, you know, that, yeah. that these individuals are the ones we were looking for. And then they get to tell the family, you know, we have a positive ID on your your loved one. And so being the photographer who was there, boots on the ground, digging, doing doing all that documentation, I now on the back end get to document this family coming to, to pick up their loved one and wow. not turning over these remains to somebody who's been waiting for for decades you know decades. so it w- it was this like job that allowed me to very often come full circle and like get get to see why what we do is important that is such an amazing story yeah that is crazy that's got to be so heavy mm. But so fulfilling at the same time I oh, mean, yeah. to be able to do that. And who would have thought, who would have thought that someone from Pleasantville, Michigan <laughs> All right. would be in Laos yeah. doing something like that? I mean, yeah, that is amazing. Yeah, I, it, it was hard. It was really hard for me at first because I felt so much like fulfillment and like meaning from my job that I started thinking I'm never going to feel like this about anything else again so when I leave what am I going to do you know I feel like I've peaked too early in my career and I and I and I was worried but it's not the way I I think anymore you know like what what I do is meaningful when I'm there doing it Mm -hmm. um and yeah it's hard not to 
like the impact is so obvious in, in that job that like, yeah, it's hard to kind of compartmentalize. But being here, you know, I've been here almost a year now, geez, which is crazy, you know, 10 yeah. months or so. And now I get to be a part of like bringing people into the Air Force, which is like just it's it's different. It is. Maybe not as heavy, but it's super, super meaningful still. Yeah. And you get to have a part in potentially providing someone with the opportunities that you've had. And I mean, if you look at it from a from a recruiting standpoint, being able to take someone from a random town in in Wisconsin now and they could be in Laos. Right. A couple of years from now. I mean, that's the effect that you can have on people. It's almost like you're paying it forward. So one of the things I wanted to do when I got to the recruiting squadron was educate people about DPA because anybody can go volunteer for that mission. Yeah. And I had no idea that you could do something like that. It Just because your job, your specific job isn't a specialized job that needs to be stationed there right yeah. at the agency. Seven, like I said, seventy percent of the people who go on those missions are are random jobs in the military. Yeah. That we reached out to commands for volunteers, and their 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 leadership said, "Yeah, you know, go. Yeah, who wouldn't? Do it. You know? Who wouldn't?" And there's not. I mean, we'd be, we'd be very hard pressed to find a, a commander, a supervisor, somebody in that that airman or that marine or that soldier's life or that their work. That would not say absolutely. Yes. Take two months, go camp in the jungle, and and go help help bring back a fallen service member. Yeah, it's not like you're taking a two month vacation. You're doing something right. amazing. Yeah, and that that was one of the coolest things for me. You know, I ended up going on ten missions with the agents. Ten missions. Ten missions, and every team was different, right? Because the volunteers would trickle, and you'd work with a few of the specialties the same, yeah. and they were great, but. I loved talking to the, like, how about like the soldiers who had been in been in for like a year? Yeah, they haven't experienced anything yet, and I'm like, you're in Belgium with me right now, like yeah. digging in a random farm field, like experiencing all these amazing things. Yeah, I mean, it's just it was yeah. fun for me to watch That's... because it's also. Yeah, it's hard work in it, but you create such a bond with the team while you're there. You mm-hmm. and you, yeah. I mean, it's, just, it's an experience that every service member should be able to experience. You know, have. Yeah, absolutely. That I, I still I, I can't. That's just so cool that you did that, and then that people anybody can do it. And I mean, it just seems like such a such an awesome thing to do in the service and for families of service members who were MIA or or POWs. So. Yeah, you know, I my last mission with agency before I came here was in was actually in Belgium. Um and we recovered a, a World War II pilot and his daughter invited the team out to the funeral this wow. past summer. And I'd never I I talked earlier about that process coming full circle as we give remains back to the family, but I had never been to that part of the yeah. of the story, right? And I thought to myself, like, I have to go to this this funeral, and I did. I I, I spent my own money. I went out to Washington, and I attended the funeral. And that for me was like the cherry on top to like 
leaving that mission behind. Um, I'm not going to say I'm, I'm going to leave it behind because I'm going to try to go back. Oh, and, for sure. Yeah, I'm going to try to maybe go back as a as a volunteer. But you know the this this woman Linda her she was she was four years old when her when her dad's plane crashed. Wow. So she's in her 80s now. She's been waiting 78 years. Oh my gosh. For her dad to come home and when we you know laid him to rest in washington this summer she asked the team we a few of us went um she's like come get the soil and like put the soil on the on the casket and that was like cool she's like i want this to come full circle for you guys you know and i'm like this is so symbolic like oh my gosh that's amazing um, yeah so that for me like that was incredible to be a part of and i we just thanked her so much for having us out there but those are those are the connections too that you don't think about when you're doing a mission like that not only were we connect, connected with the team and like everything like that but we've impacted this woman's life so much that she invited us to do that at her father's you know what i mean so like you're yeah the impact is huge um but again you're you have you know the ability to create impact wherever you go so yeah and I think a lot of people, especially in the general public, would have no idea that we're even doing that. Yeah. And that so. was that was also a, a cool part of the job is getting to do community outreach and explain to people that yeah. we do that, you know, because people were like, what? You know? I mean, when you told me that story, I had no clue that, and I have been in for 16 years that we did that. Yeah. I can't imagine that the, the general population out here in the United States even knows that we're doing amazing things like that. Right. And I'm sure that there are a lot of people out there that maybe have connections to people who have served in World War II or Vietnam. And just to have the opportunity by joining the Air Force and having the opportunity to take part in something like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that is a that's just an amazing thing that we do yeah. and, and that you did. And and thank you for for doing that. I mean, that's not a lot of people would. Even if it's 70% volunteer, that's some heavy stuff that you're doing. And I know it's super fulfilling, but, you know, I appreciate that you went and did that on 10 missions. That That is awesome. Yeah, I think um, there are a lot of, like you said, a lot of people wouldn't do that. And, and you're right. And it's not because they don't want to help mm-hmm. or, yeah. but, but you say camping in the jungle of Laos, you know, and it's exactly that. Like, yeah, you weren't going back to a hotel no, every night. I wasn't getting a shower. You know what I mean? Like I wasn't uh, eating normal food. I wasn't, you know, e- there's bugs, there's snakes, there are things that, you know, you snakes a lot. I don't like snakes. Yeah, no, That was my biggest fear. I swear to God, like going, <laughs> going out there was like, if I see the local kids running like no questions asked i know it's a snake like i'm out of here you know you're running too i'm running too Um, i'm with you and yeah i mean i have friends who are in public affairs as well and they were like god bless you because i can never do it but and i've never been like a camper or anything like that Uh but for me it's just like adventure right um i'll try anything once yeah and it's it's an awesome story to tell and again the impact that you're making is is so so huge so i think think it would be worth it for sure yeah i think so um i and that's going to be you know 100 percent one of my biggest like things i advocate with my airmen is we're going to get you i'm going to try my hardest to get you on a mission if you want to go yeah um because it's just it's an amazing opportunity and it's yeah it's just yeah i wish every i wish everyone could go um 
I will always be grateful to that agency, that assignment. That was just, just like, it's every single one of the missions I went on was different and unique. And like, I will remember each and every one vividly, every person, every, yeah. you know what I mean? It was just, it's, those are experiences that you just like, you again, it was, it was my job is allowing yeah. me to do this, you know? So, so cool. Yeah. So cool. It's incredible. And people every, you know, when I do talk, when I did talk about it or post on it or whatever I was doing um, at the time, people were like, this is, this is amazing, you know, crazy. Yeah. Even people from Pleasantville, you know what I mean? Um, it's like, April, what yeah. are you doing? This what? is wild. What? Yeah. what are you, why are you so dirty? Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what are you well, I'm, in the, in I'm in the jungle, Janice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I think it's, um. But again, like I do want to like just stress that even though I I thought I was going to have this like crisis, like, oh, I've peaked, I'm done, like yeah. everything's downhill. It's not the way I think anymore. And like, I really hope that that people feel that way about their about their job, not just me, but anybody who's like moving on maybe from a job they like or maybe from a a part of their life they really liked. I really yeah. liked my 20s or whatever it was, you know. I always think, like, I really hope people are able to sort of appreciate what they do and find meaning in what they do no matter where they're at. Yeah. I think I think it was Giannis Antetokounmpo mm -hmm. who – he was in the interview and he said – no, I don't think he did. Maybe he did. He said something along the lines of you learn from the past – you live in the the now and then you look forward to the future. Yeah. And that's kind of like you took those those memories and those those skills and everything that you learned from the from the past, the the past things you've done, you learn new tools, new skills and you you learn from those memories and experiences and now you're living in the now. Yeah. And, and you can look forward to the future. And 100%. that might have been just a horrible, horrible way of putting everything. But <laughs> no, I loved it. But yeah, it that, was very that's, live, laugh, love. I know, right? Live, laugh, love. So you know, it's it's fall, so it's pumpkin spice lattes and live, laugh, love. That's right. But yes, I mean, you can take those experiences and you can apply those experiences that you had on those missions with the DPAA, and you can apply them to your job now, and you can oh yeah apply them to you know your future roles in the Air Force. Yeah. Uh, so it's super cool. Switching gears, yeah. I know I want to circle back uh, because you were extremely busy, obviously, in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. You did three and a half years of school at college before you yeah. decided to join. Yeah. Did you ever go back and finish your education? Thank you for asking that. I'm glad I get to because I would have forgot to bring it back up. hundred percent. Um. I'm going to be, okay, so I'm going to be, like, really honest. When I joined the Air Force after taking that time, like, left school, I was like, I'm never going to have to go back to school. I don't yeah. ever, you know. As you get older, I, I started to realize quickly, like, why don't I have an education? Yeah, why not? Yeah, it's free, you know. Of course. Um, and so, yeah, I, and then I also, I got, there was a, I, I don't know when it happened or how it happened, but some point in my life, I wanted to always focus on being a better version of myself right yes. as we do maybe as because i'm getting older and i'm like i can yeah. you know 
Um, but yeah, absolutely. I was like, I am so close to getting my degree. Let's just do this. Um, now COVID had a little, little bit of play in there, right? I had some free time. I wasn't traveling to to Laos or Vietnam or anything like that during COVID. Um, but once I went back, I was like, oh, this is, this isn't bad anymore. I'm, I'm actually like ready to, ready to learn, willing to learn, wanting to learn. Um, and obviously I, I chose a more fitting major, um, being in the public affairs career field, learning about communications, loving my job. I was like, obviously I'm going to get a communications degree. And I did, I knocked it out, um, got my, my bachelor's in communications and I'm actually about to start my master's program. So that's amazing. Yeah, pretty excited about it. Look at that. Yeah. I never, believe me, like I want, I never thought I would want it. Um, and after I got my bachelor's too, even I was like, done not not but then hey you can get this so so my job now right is is a lot of marketing yes and now it's like oh wait there's a master's program for marketing communications Ooh. so i gotta do that right i gotta do better better at my job uh be better so and it's paid for so you can't beat that i you know i have 14 nieces and nephews 14, 13 or 14. I don't even know. Wow. Anymore. There's a lot of them. And I am like planting that seed hard. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, you have to. I, it's, I'm just like, you guys, you, they all live in Pleasantville too. Yeah. Right? Um, you guys can do cool things and meet amazing people and have free school and learn an amazing trade and do all these things. And if you hate it, you will be out yeah. before the time I decided to go in. Yeah, right? absolutely. And so four years. I'm I'm planting that seed. I I really want. Oh man, like five of them, at least five to be in the airport. That would be cool. Right? Yeah, <laughs> a little a little array of jobs. Um, absolutely. Yeah, I'm I'm plant I'm planting it. Don't worry. So before we wrap this up, and again, thank you so much for coming on. The story about the dpaa was just so cool and so insightful and again a lot of people that are listening to this podcast probably had no idea that that is something that we did and and specifically the air force Mm -hmm. um so if you had to think about one benefit that the air force has provided you throughout your career what would be the most important benefit and why so first of all let me plug dpaa real quick and say Go follow their social media. Let people know about what they do because um, it's an incredible agency. And how do you search? How do you search the DPA? Yeah. So social media. I, I want to say their like Instagram handle is D O D P A A. D O D P A A. Yeah. Okay. D O like. And we'll put we'll put the yeah we'll put the uh, the social media handles and everything yeah. in the show notes. And also. Get on your supervisors and your your commanders and 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 ask them to get you on a mission if if that's what you if you're you know what I mean like yeah. if that's what you want to do or 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 if you're you are a supervisor or a commander get your airmen on one of those missions um, reach out to them they always need volunteers that's not easy work it's not always fun work but 
if you're able to give bodies to it, like 100% do it. So the most, the, the number one benefit, it's, it's hard. I, you know, I thought about this for a long time and I was trying to think, I want to say stability. Yeah. I want to answer the Air Force gave me stability because it did. Mm-hmm. Not that my life was off track, but I was, wasn't happy. I wasn't, didn't want to do that anymore. It gave me these goals and these, this, you know, this line to, to go on. Yeah. But it also gave me instability. And I like that even more. Yes. Um, I'm so good way of putting that. Yeah. You know, it's, I love not, not being stuck in one spot all the time. I love meeting new people all the time. I love that with every assignment, your job changes a little bit, Mm -hmm. not too much, but enough to make it exciting and different and be able to learn and grow and, and, and do new things. So it's it's weird. It's like the stability is great, but so is the instability. Yeah, the yin and yang. It is. You, know, you have the stability of like, okay, I don't have to worry about getting laid off when when economic times are tough or mm-hmm. we're in a recession. I don't have to worry about not getting a paycheck. Right. But I'm also not stuck in a monotonous career yeah. where I blink my eyes. I'm 55 years old. I've been talking to the same people in the same office yes. doing the same thing. 100%. So you're right. One, it, yeah. Spot on. The stability yeah. of the Air Force and the instability. Yeah. Because everyone likes a little instability. Of course. You, know? you got to keep you on your you gotta, toes. Yeah. Keep you know, it You exciting. have to stay keeping it exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you just made a great point. If you, okay, not if, everybody works in a place, no matter what your job is, how but with people you don't like, right? Oh, there's always one there's or two. There's always one or two. And guess what? Those people are always, they're always rotating, rotating around in the Air Force. You know, you're like, okay, I only got to deal with them for a, a couple of years. Right. The assignment <laughs> process is yeah. wonderful in the Air Force. Yeah. We're constantly rotating. We're moving. And I know it's tough on families. Yeah. But just having that change of scenery mm-hmm. and and being able to to keep it exciting yeah. is, is really important. And I will say that there that make, there's a hard part of that too, right? Like you're you're always saying good goodbye to people, see you later to people, friends, yeah. stuff like that. But you you're never not gonna move on and then go, oh, I have I found someone not to replace them, but to yeah. fill that void. You're always yeah, like I said, it's rotating. Of course. Yeah, yeah. and some people like uh, some people don't like that part of it, and that's fine, you know. But but. For me, it's like, yeah, it's just the, 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 the stability, but the instability. Speaking of stability, mm-hmm. I have to do a quick shout out. The day we're recording this podcast is actually my sixth wedding anniversary. No way. Yeah. So I wanted to give a quick shout out to my beautiful wife, Carla. Yeah. I know you're going to listen to this at some point. I love you. Happy sixth anniversary. Oh, happy anniversary, Carla. And to you. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate that. that. Wow. Yeah, she's been my rock. Yeah. So it's been amazing. And she's she's been great with the podcast too. The ideas. She, she the, has. Yeah. Yes. She's so, she comes from a marketing background, so Yeah. It's been it's so awesome having her. Six years, huh? Six years. Wait, you guys are gonna, we well, we can't talk about it here. You got something planned. I'm hoping. Yeah, you do. You got it. Yeah. You got it. Yeah. 
Yeah. You'll find out later. I'll find it. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be in another episode. That's right. Yeah. yeah. That's uh, that's amazing. Though. Good. Congratulations to you guys. Um, yeah. She's a Michigan girl. So She is. We're kindred spirits. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I like to ask this question, everyone on the podcast, mm-hmm. Sergeant Hall, if I sitting in this chair was a brand new airman, I just graduated basic training. I'm super blue. I'm excited to start my career. If you had the opportunity to give me one piece of advice to a brand new airman, what would it be? This is like, oh my gosh, this is going to sound so cliche. Um, But it's something that I've always, always, always tried to do. Um, No matter where I'm at, no matter how long a day was or how busy you are at work, whatever it is, you know, busy at home, busy at work, whatever it is. I always, always try every day to think about one thing that was memorable that day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes you, you're you just like, I had a terrible... But at the end of the day, if I think about it, there's one good thing that happened today. What yeah. was my memorable moment? So that's what I always think. What was my memorable moment today? Maybe it was just, you had a really pretty sunrise on the way to work. Yeah. That's fine. Um, but I can think because I did that, especially during those missions, during a cool cool day in North Dakota, whatever it was, on a on job somewhere with somebody, I can always think back to like the one thing from that day. I might not remember every single detail. Yeah. But I'll remember one memorable thing. So I, I, I'm calling it a memorable moment now in my mind. I say like, what was my, my, my snapshot? Cause I'm a photographer. You know yeah, what I mean? So I think of my snapshot for the day. Yeah. Um, that's what I would tell in an airman. And I know that that's like, like again, super, super kind of cliche and corny. No, but, that's good. But, um, I think it helps on those days that are, that are super busy and maybe just didn't go. Um, and we all have them. Mm-hmm. It helps you kind of think about maybe the days yeah. that cancel those ones out. Yeah. So I am a master resiliency trainer. Mm-hmm. I went to the training and did all that. And yeah. resiliency training is hands down my favorite thing to train. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, gratitude. That is one of the main things that we talk about in resiliency training is practicing gratitude. Oh and gosh. that's exactly what you're doing. Yeah. So you're taking a part of the day and you are grateful for mm-hmm. that thing. And and that can help you when times get tough is to think yeah. back on those those things that you're grateful for. Uh, the things that keep you going. The things that, that make you wake up every day, put your uniform on and say, I am going to be excellent. Yeah. And it's because of those that gratitude or those memorable uh things that yeah. you've you've accomplished. So gratitude, I love that. Yeah. 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 I never ever looked at it that way, but um I guess it is. Yeah. It's memorable moments. Memorable you know? moments. My yeah. snapshots. Yeah, your snapshots. My snapshots. Not your snapchats. No. Your snapshots. Although, yeah. Yeah, the snapshots yeah, are a part of work too sometimes, you know. But yeah. Yeah, snapshots. I think in, I think back to when I was a young airman in North Dakota, in Minot, North Dakota. You know, Minot has a bad stigma. Let me just throw that out there. I'll, I'll be the myth buster on that because Minot's a great place. Yeah. The community is amazing there. I'm getting like off on a tangent right now. 
I just don't. I hate when people make fun of my knot. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's cold in the winter. Got it. But um, it is actually is a great place to be stationed. So like, don't let my knot scare you. But um, I did have a tough time going in there because of that ne- negative stigma mm-hmm. that I sort of let that not poison my first like little bit of time there, but yeah. definitely seeped in, you know? So that's when I sort of picked up the whole, like, I need to be able to be, to at least have one good thing a day. Yeah. Um, you gotta, you gotta grow roots where you are planted. Um, plants aren't necessarily, plants don't get to decide where yeah. they are planted, but they grow roots no matter what. Yeah. So you have to take advantage of that. Um, so yeah, um, that's great advice, Sarah Hall. Yeah, you know, we're, I, I have to comment real quick. We are, we sound like Hobby Lobby gets today, don't I we? I know, right? Just, just like rattling <laughs> off the the, the oh, wall art, the wall art, the live, yeah. laugh, love. Yeah. Oh my goodness. But you know what? Like, like listen, those cliches come from places, right? The mm-hmm. truth. So, um, that's it. That's my advice. Perfect. Well, thank you for your advice. And Sergeant Hall, thank you so much for coming on the Air Power. This has been really fun. Yeah, I'm so, I am normally on the other side of the interview. Yeah. I told you that as I walked in. It's really weird being interviewed. I've interviewed tons and tons of people and I never once thought about how it was being on the other side of it. Yeah. Never, not once. Um, it's different. I I maybe not be as good as it as I like claim to be, but um, no, this was awesome. <laughs> this was an awesome podcast. Like I sit there and give, you know, people advice all day on like how to answer, but yeah, it's different being on the other side, but I appreciate the opportunity and I'm like super, even though I want, I just want to say, even though I was skeptical about yeah. the podcast and like worried about how much work it was going to be. Like I, mm-hmm. it's, I think it's, I mean, it's great. Like, honestly, yeah. it's going to be amazing. We've gotten, so much good feedback on it and um i hope that you just become a podcaster for I, the air force for the rest of your i mean life. hey let's plant that seed yeah let's plant that let's seed plant that i mean seed. those those roots can grow I, yeah. I would definitely not be opposed to that 100 i think that i just love hearing people's stories and yeah. you know that's something that they want hey i'm in yeah, I, that's the thing too, right? The stories. That's just like you said it. Everybody has a story, um, and it's true. Yeah, they're all unique. They're all unique, and um, I think it's amazing that you're letting people share their stories in this way. So, yeah, awesome. Keep it up, you know. Thanks, Arn Hall. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. Well, that's it. Right. Thanks for coming on. hundred percent. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the Air Power Hour. Take care, friends. 